This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 229, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 17th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 229. This is uh, your host, Adam Chapman, and this is our Comic Reviews episode for December 17th releases. Uh, this is going up on, I guess, the day before Christmas Eve, so it's going to be a really quick episode. Uh, as you can imagine, timing has been crazy. Uh, comics are coming out, but there are gifts that need to be wrapped and bought and all this other kind of stuff, and dinners start sometimes a little bit earlier than Christmas, and there's other family commitments, so it means there's less time for reading and less time for podcasting. So, uh, I was able to actually somehow read 12 books that came out last week, but I probably have about 12 minutes to talk about it, which will probably end up being more like 15. So I'm just going to get right into the talk and make it quick and brief, but um, a lot of uh, a lot of quick stuff we got. So first up this week, we have only X-Men 34. Uh, continues to be brilliantly illustrated by David Marquez. Sorry, my mood is raw, my bad. At times it looks more like Marquez's artwork uh, with uh, Marte Gra- Garcia with Marcello Maiolo on colors. Uh, Bendis writing it, which means it's incredibly slow-paced. Um, it takes forever to get to the point. Um, we have these overly long, you know, gene-on-gene moments. Um, probably the best scene was the um, Doctor Doom and Hank Hank McCoy um, interaction. But everything else just feels like it takes way too long to get to the point. And then in true Bendis fashion, we have Jean Grey seeing something on Cerebro, but we don't get to see what it is. And it's this, supposed to be this kind of forced cliffhanger um, I like this book, but I just get so frustrated that the, that at times the the uh, pacing is is like a glacier. It just takes so long to get to the point. Uh, I'm gonna give it a five and a half out of ten. Um, it's not bad. It's just slow, painfully slow, and it just I want I just wanted to move at a faster clip. Um, it's not telling a bad story. It's just taking so long to get there that I get bored. Um, and it's not nearly as interesting as Bendis thinks it is. It looks great. It's just it could be a lot better. Uh, it just needs to pick up the pace a little. That's all it's really missing. Uh, next up is Avengers and X-Men Axis number 8. Ugh, what a mess. Um, so this issue is written by Rick Commander, artwork by Lionel Francis Yu. It's New World Disorder, Chapter 2. Um, so we have I, I, a great team-up between uh, Carnage and Spider-Man. Spider-Man trying to go up against, uh, I guess, Genesis or Apocalypse, whatever you want to call him. Uh, as uh, Thor and his messed-up Avengers go up against them as well. Um, it's not bad, it just feels like we're not getting a lot of plot progression, but there's some, and, um, some interesting choices as well, and seeing what Cap's gonna do to, uh, get the Red Skull, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely going somewhere, I'm just not really sure what that is, and, uh, I don't know, it feels like a, a weird mess, like, I don't know, it kind of feels like a Mark Millar story in some ways, that is a little bit more splash and a little bit less about the characters, and Remender usually toes a good line, is able to do a little bit of both, and I feel, I feel like with this storyline, he's done a little bit less of that, and I I get what he's doing with these kind of evil versions of the X-Men and the Avengers. I just can't say I'm that interested to read that. Uh, I'm going to give it a five, five, I think, maybe, yeah, a five out of ten. Uh, next up is Revol- X-Men, sorry, Axis Revolutions number four. Um, I really... Uh, I just don't don't get this book. Um, I like that it like again. I like that they try things like this. They try to tell these kind of side stories. Uh, the main story here is by John Barber. It's called Man of Ice by Guillermo Magoran and Felix Ruiz. Um, it's just this weird messed up version of Iceman. Uh, he's not making jokes and being funny anymore. Now he's just kind of a dick. Uh, and then we have a Howard Chaykin story. 
as kind of the uh, the second issue, sorry, the second story called Least Resistance, which is, you know, a little bit more interesting about uh, Latveria, but I feel like this was extreme, extremely disposable. Some of the previous issues felt like, you know, they kind of had a reason for being there. This one felt less so. I'm going to give it a five because it's not like a bad read. It just feels so inconsequential. I'd say the Iceman stuff is kind of bad, but um, it's just, it, it has this air of, of uh, unimportance to it or uh, that it just doesn't matter. Um, then we have Batman number 37, which is the next chapter of Endgame, which is part three by Snyder and Capullo. Um, I found this picked up. Um, it had a good sense of pacing. I really like the artwork. Um, what's Joker going to do next? I mean, there's some aspects I don't really care for. The idea that maybe Joker's been around forever and he's, he's immortal. Uh, the backup, I didn't can't say I really enjoyed all that much. Um, but the main story here I thought was really strong. Great artwork. I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. It was, it was quite solid. Um, next up is Batman and Robin 37. This is by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Leeson. Really well done. Fantastic artwork. I really liked kind of all the take on uh, Darkseid. Darkseid looked suitably massive. Uh, seeing Batman doing everything he could to stop him was really cool. Uh, Batman doing everything he could to survive and bring his son back and be able to save his life. And then him theoretically kind of collapsing once he's back. Um, a really well done issue. Really dug this. Um, and uh, I know one thing that bothered me is the whole DC Comics presents Channel 52 at the end, which kind of ruins what we're supposed to see in Robin Rises Alpha, which comes next, uh, coming out this week, actually, on the 24th. It just felt kind of a weird pace to kind of so yeah, he's back with superpowers. I'm like, well, we don't know that from reading Batman and Robin 37, so thanks a lot, jerkwads. And I guess I just spoiled that as well, so I'm not much better at this point. Uh, I am going to give the issue an 8.5 out of 10, though. I thought it was a solid read. Next up is Batman Eternal 37. Um... Still entertaining, still good. It's not as, not the strongest issue. Um, artwork by Andrea Moody, uh, Scott Snyder, James Tinian, the fourth on story, Tim Seeley on script with Ray Fox and Kyle Higgins as consulting writers. Still good. Um, probably not as solid. Part of that's the artwork, but I, it's there's definitely a lot going on in terms of the plot and the different characters. The art, again, wasn't that strong. Um, it was all right. It was decent. Um, not the strongest issue, maybe six and a half out of ten. Uh, Batman and Superman 17. Man, I'm finally starting to like this book. Maybe all it took was a different artist. Uh, Artie and Seoff is absolutely killing it here. Fantastic art. Uh, the story is quite cool too with the whole idea of, of a, um, Superman's Joker. Um, it, it feels like there's a sense of urgency even in the quieter moments here. Um, just extremely thrilling. Even Lobo seemed cool. I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I just, I found I really enjoyed every page and can't wait to read the next issue, which really is what you want in a comic. Uh, next up is Fantastic Four 14. Um, this was fun. This was a good issue. Um, it's written by uh, James Robinson, Leonard Kirk on artwork. Um, the the big villain of the piece, his origin, is, could be, leaves a lot to be desired. Um, the idea that he's kind of been behind a lot of things throughout the years, um, his motivation... It, it really it, it is lacking but what they've done with the character after that point is a lot more interesting um, and then seeing how they kind of push the FF into a next direction and I'm interested to see you know what happens next as we get to see the kind of the last days of the FF as the end is forever is starting soon in I guess issue 642 which I think is the next issue which I mean I guess they're going right to that numbering and it's kind of a hard left turn 
which I don't think is necessary considering they're just ending the book anyway. But I will give it an 8 out of 10 it was, as, again, it was a solid read. Uh, as we uh, near the end here, we have Green Lantern New Guardians, uh, issue 37. Uh, it's written by, uh, let's see, Justin Jordan. Um, artwork by Diagene Neves and Rodney Bukemi. Um, the artwork, again, leaves a lot to be desired. It's not that solid. The, the colors don't even seem right. Um, the anatomy doesn't really work, and the action sequences lack a certain um, uh, finesse to them and a sense of kind of meaning. The, the story is okay. Of all the tie-ins to Godhead, it's probably one of the least interesting. This is what Act 3 got Part 3 of Godhead, so um, considering how many chapters we've had, it's kind of on the, on the lesser end. Uh, in terms of uh, overall enjoyment, I'll give that about a five and a half out of ten. Next up is Justice League thirty-seven, which, ever since Jason Fabok has jumped on board, has really become an even better book. Uh, Jeff Johns feels like he's finally kind of reached his stride. Maybe he just really likes having Luther on the Justice League because it just it just has a whole different feeling to the book. Um, as I said, Fabok is just killing an art. Um, such a strong sense of anatomy of action. Uh, the choir sequences still really work well. His um, his take on the different characters and their personalities. Um, Wonder Woman, like she just looks like even when she's in the middle of a, a big epic battle, she's she's almost having fun with it, uh, playing up kind of her cockiness. Um, the last page of this arc, of uh, this issue with Batman being infected, looked awesome as well. Um, you know, this this book since Forever Evil has really become kind of the must-read book, which is what Justice League should be. It should be this kind of big marquee book that everyone should want to read. Often it just isn't. Um, so I'm glad that they've kind of brought it back to being this kind of big book that you need to read. I'm going to give it a 9. I thought it was just it was extremely well done. Uh, next up is Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man number 8, which uh, I actually really liked. Um, by Bendis with uh, Marquez and Artwork. Uh, Marquez's tone is completely different in the flashback sequences, uh, if in fact that is him. Um, just check. No, I guess it is. It doesn't say it's any other artist. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still definitely his art, but it's got a different sensibility, different kind of color palette. Um, it feels very different than the kind of uh, current continuity pages when we have um, uh, Miles and his dad just kind of sitting on a park bench. It was really cool. Again, a little decompressed. Um, but I felt like this decompress this decompressed moment worked better than the Old New X-Men did. Old New X-Men felt protracted and not really developing the story that much, whereas this felt like we're actually getting a lot of history for the um, the um, Miles Morales' dad, but at the same time, they're still leaving a little bit on the table. There's still more to come next issue, but I still got more to sink my teeth into, whereas Old New X-Men felt like we got these sporadic moments that didn't really move anything along, whereas here, we were wondering where Miles Morales' dad is, we're wondering about more of his kind of secrets and what his kind of his deal is in his history. So here we finally got to see more of that. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Again, one of the better issues that I've read by Bendis in a while. I mean, he's been doing a good job in Ultimate Spider-Man in general, but because of the other books he's been reading, uh, sorry, writing Ultimate X-Men, sorry, uh, Uncanny X-Men and Old New X-Men, haven't been the strongest, whereas this feels more like the Bendis I love. Um, his Gardens of the Galaxy, again, at times good, but at times really shaky. And last up this week, we have Miss Marvel number 10, which remains just an absolute pleasure and joy to read by G. Willow Wilson and artwork by Adrian Alfona. Um, Miss Marvel Against the Inventor continues to be quirky and, and wacky, uh, but a lot of fun. Her kind of te- um, getting Lockjaw, just kind of sick on him, and then lo- kind of losing Lockjaw temporarily. It was actually kind of sad because of how much I enjoy 
um, this art, this team's t- uh, take on the Lockjaw character. Um, the whole concept behind why the uh, captives of the inventor don't want to turn on them was also very cool. So I'm going to give that, a, um, I think that's just an 8 out of 10. It was a, a, just another solid issue of Miss Marvel, and I wouldn't expect anything else at this point in the game. Uh, it, at 10 issues in, I don't think there's been a bad issue yet. Uh, so looking at what I didn't get a chance to talk about this, uh, this episode, or at least actually have a chance to look at this week, uh, includes the following. All New Captain America number 2, Arrow Season 2.5 number 3, Axis Hobgoblin number 3, Black Widow number 13, Captain Marvel number 10, Catwoman 37, Death of Wolverine Weapon X Program number 4, Deathlock number 3, Earth True Worlds in number 11, Electra number 9, Fables 147, Guardians of the Galaxy 22, Infinite Crisis Fight for the Multiverse number 6, Inhuman number 10, Kitchen number 2, Mad Magazine 531, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble Season 2 number 2, Moon Knight number 19, Multiversity Thunderworld number 1, New 52 Futures End 33, Red Hood and the Outlaws 37, Sandman Overture number 4, Scarlet Spiders number 2, Smallville Season 11 Continuity number 1, Spider Woman number 2, Storm number 6, Supergirl 37, Teen Titans number 5, Teen Titans Go number 7, Trinity of Sin number 3, Wonder Woman 37, and that is everything that came out last week. A quick look ahead to this coming week. On uh, the 24th, we have the uh, new issue of... uh, Let's see, there's a Batman annual coming out, a Catwoman annual, um, a Grayson annual, apparently it's annual week, uh, Green Lantern annual, new issue of Justice League Dark, um, Robin Rises Alpha, which is kind of already spoiled, but at least it's coming out, as well as a new issue of Superman by John Romita Jr. and Jeff Johns, and then at the, on the uh, Marvel side of things, we have uh, a new issue of All New X Factor, uh, the climactic chapter of Avengers and X-Men Axis. Um, you have the uh, Daredevil number 11, uh, Hawkeye versus Deadpool number 3, Magneto 13, uh, Marvel's Avengers number 1, not really sure what that even is. I think that might be the adaptation of the uh, movie from uh, 2012. A uh, new chapter of New Avengers, which has a new uh, Time Runs Out issue. Uh, Nova ties into Axis, as well as uh, She-Hulk, which I think might be the last issue at issue 11. I could be wrong. And then new issues of Superior Iron Man and Uncanny X-Men, as well as the X-Men trade paperback Road to Onslaught, as well as the first X-Men epic collection called Children of the Atom. So thank you for joining me for episode uh, 229 of the Comic Shenanigans podcast. As promised, this was under 15 minutes, 12 comics in under 15 minutes. I'm tired. How about you? Uh, so thank you for joining me. You can email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate and review us on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as post in our HG Realms thread as, all, as well, and like us on Facebook. Thank you for joining me, and our next episode will be coming out in two days on Christmas Day, and that's a solicitations episode for March 2015. And then uh, next week, episode 232, uh, will probably be kind of a, a look back at uh, 2014 in comics and comics-related uh, culture. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.